Hello, hello. It is a Shedded Boys podcast. I am Professor X. And I'm Mikey B. <sighs> Week three. Week three is done and dusted. And uh, one step closer to that trophy. Doesn't look like it's any clearer picture. <laughs> it's. Uh, I actually find this a very um, unique season in the Premier League this year. And the reason I say that is the score lines are very high. I mean, they're like, I feel like all the defenses in the league right now are, they're still playing. Frank Lampard made a comment about it after the, uh, the game yesterday. Uh, he stated that everybody's still in preseason mode. Uh, see, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that just because of the fact that, uh, I mean, they were playing less than what, three or four weeks Prior to that, they were actually playing for cup comp, like they were playing for cup competitions, and they were playing uh, to secure their position in the Premier League. Um, I would say more fatigue if you were trying to say that, but like preseason, I don't think. I mean, it's preseason in the essence of the transfer window is still open, so teams you're seeing teams being more adventurous when it comes to uh, their matchups. One to alleviate the schedule. Uh, that demand on the team but the other one is to see if they need to buy any prospective players uh before the transfer uh before the window closes which is monday i want to say yeah it closes it's coming up very quick and i actually think we're gonna get some last minute team changes we Uh, just we just had one we just had one for chelsea ross barkley went to aston villa on loan for the season i think there is going to be a bunch of like I mean, if Man United does anything, it's going to be at the last minute. I mean, they're the only ones right now that... You saw that uh, uh, Dortmund turned down their $92 million offer for Sancho. Yeah, I mean, Sancho's not going anywhere. And to be honest, Sancho isn't going to fix their problems. I mean, if we go into the first matchup of the weekend, it was Brighton, Brighton and Man versus Man United. United. To be honest, that game was less about the, uh, the Man United winning... And more about Lamptey's stock just continuously rising. Yeah. I mean, Lamptey is doing what is needed to be noticed. We, he is on watch. Uh, not enough to beat Man United. Um, but very I, close. That was a very close game. Man United won 3-2. And that's that's close. For, for Brighton to be like that, uh, fighting... Yeah, in all honesty, I just I think Brighton deserved to either have won it or draw. I think losing the the match was a little uh, was a little hard. Man United definitely lucked out. Is it because the of the PK? Yeah, the PK at the very end. I mean, but Brighton controlled uh, portions of the game. I I thought they were the most creative and adventurous at times. They, I mean, we're talking about Brighton as if. Brighton was the one expected to win, and Man United was the underdog. It's the other way around. Um, the fact that but let's look at the stats though. X, fifty-four um, percent possession on Brighton, eighty-four percent pass accuracy on, on Brighton. Like Brighton overall shots eighteen. Yeah, 18 Brighton shots. shots on target five. Let's look at United three for Man United. Uh, shots on target, forty-six percent. Pass accuracy, eighty-three percent. I'm sorry. On if you just looked at the stat line, Brighton was the better team that day. Right. And if you looked, 
technically, Brighton did score three goals. <laughs> it's just <laughs> Dunk decided to score in the wrong goal. Yeah, he slammed it uh, <laughs> in the wrong in the wrong goal. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. This is I think this is a vi- I mean it's a victory for Man United, but it really comes off as a loss. I have a question for Man United. What does Ollie do? Like what? More and more, as they pan out to the sidelines, it 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 gives the impression more and more that he's just there along the like. He should. They should have. The no, no. More and more, it looks like they should have kept Jose. Yeah, I mean, he's at least he wins. He is as far opposite of Jose as you could ever imagine a man. He's not hands on. He doesn't talk to his players meanly. He's super positive yeah. all the time. Even if like, you're like losing. I feel like he's more of a father figure than a manager. And I mean, he's not hes not doing a good job where it counts. But hey. We'll, we'll move on uh, to the Crystal Palace versus Everton, which lived up to our, our assumptions last week that this was going to be one of the games to watch Correct. for the weekend. Again, uh, Everton 2, Crystal Palace 1. Everton's going to be a team to watch. Do I think they'll compete for the Premier League? No. But are they a team to watch this season? They're very much so a team to watch. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, Dominic Common lewis he keeps on scoring. Uh, He's on a hot streak. Uh, At least right now, that's all we can say for him. He's... He is a rising star in the league, but he's still an unproven talent. So don't. He's on a hot streak right now. We don't know how long that will last. But don't forget about my boy Rich Charleston. I have Rich Charleston. Beautiful, beautiful highlights. Beautiful goal. Uh, it was decisive to say, to say the least. Uh, our boy Jorginho loves to like hot flutter, jump, skip, prance, baby do some three sixties, and like. Put a backspin, barely touched the ball. Uh, I always opt for a penalty kick taker that is just, just tries to power it through, straight power through. Uh, so Crystal at least Palace if you miss it, back. if you miss the PK and it's powerful, it's more than likely going to bounce off, and your players could get a second shot. Exactly, I think it is more forgiving than a soft shot that can just be caught. I still like the beautiful Jorginho goals, though. They are pretty. It looks good when it goes in, and it looks, looks hella stupid when, when it doesn't. doesn't. Well, uh, the next game is the game that we're talking about. And we're not going to go super negative on this. I, I do think um, it does show Chelsea in a lot of negative light in the sense of they they tied West Brom. But what I will say is this is that game very – I'm going to equate it to fighting. That fighter that knocks everybody out first round, when they get into that deep, dark water fight, they typically lose. This was that game where they were... West Brom was up 3-0. to zero. Chelsea fought back through those dark waters and got it back to, to level. And could... If they had more time, do you think... Uh, do I think I, they could have... Getting a win, I do, but Chelsea only counts in threes right now, and I I'll accept the one point over zero. Yeah, I mean, in all honesty, if you look, if if you're doing a fair assessment of the game, Chelsea shot themselves in the foot three times. I mean, they're clear as day. Two of them Alonso's fault, one of them Silva's fault. 
there were there were mistakes that were made by our center backs, uh, which ver- which really spoiled the day for our new keeper Mendy. Mendy had a stellar game. He controlled the box, uh, or not Mendy? That was Capello, right? Yeah, that's Capello. Not, uh, that's Caballero, Cap- Caballero. Sorry, I was, that I was, was talking that about was the Cap- Cup, but Cap- yeah. Caballero didn't do any dis- didn't do him any good uh, service considering we did get a new uh, goalie uh, who later on you'll see did well. Uh, here's the thing. There are more positives than if you let three goals in, it's negative. But if you look at the game as as a whole, Lampard made two decisive changes at halftime. One of the critiques was whether or not he'd have the backbone uh, to do that. The whole stance and and mythos mantra of the team has completely changed. Down to Lampard, not that not that I don't think he took it seriously, but when he was a derby, he had a suit. He looked like a professional. He he looked like a million bucks trying to command the world's largest team, and it was derby. He comes to Chelsea, and then he takes on this kind of like humble persona. And I think honestly, I think that that was just for that year. That was to like make himself look like a man of the people, endorse himself, work with the. They were young players. Exactly. Now he's bringing in talent from across Europe. Uh, he's retaining some of those youth. Into, he's full integrating them together. Now he's taking up again more of a like a pep wardrobe change, and and that transcends down. If you're a professional, they scored three goals in the second half. All three goals were not celebrated. All three goals had the players run right back to the center line to restart play. Even when they scored that third goal in extra time, they were still hustling back and won a corner kick to almost win the game. Like the the there, team dynamics is, is there, there. There are more positives than negatives. My number one positive uh, when it comes to this overall game was the one thing that I did not expect uh, Frank to do, and I'm glad he's starting to do it. During that game, there are rumors that in the locker room, he he dressed Marco Alonso down in front of the rest of the team. You mess up on Chelsea, he dressed him down that his mess ups are costing the team and costing the team points. See, it wasn't the the, the dressing down. Yeah, that's important. It's super important. But the thing the thing is though, the reason why I don't believe that it's a rumor, and I believe that it did actually happen, is because. It's also suspected that Alonso wanted to, he was pissed that he got substituted at halftime. For a player to get substituted with one half of the game still left to play, it's a tremendous insult. It usually means, barring a penal, uh, barring somebody getting a red flag, uh, red card, and you trying to, to switch up the team chemistry or dynamics, it's because you, you know, sucked at playing. Alonso let two goals in. And he wanted to watch the game in the bus. He refused to watch the game in the sidelines. And Lampard just ripped into him apparently and said, "No, you're not doing that." So, like, I think that's even more so where some of the complaints about Chelsea is that the players control the locker room. That's not going to happen <laughs> with Frank Lampard until those kids win as many, if not more, trophies than that man has. They're, they should never think that they're better than him. That's true. So, And it, that, that's the one good thing about Frank. And then we'll move on to the Burnley-Southampton game, which, as we all say, uh, it's not Southampton, it's Danny Ings. Yeah, I mean, 1-0. Again, 
not really much to talk about in this game unless you, I don't know, like two mediocre teams playing. <laughs> Nothing more than that. Uh, same thing can be said. I mean, Sheffield, Leeds United, look at them, cleaning, keeping a clean sheet. Leeds United, they're that sleeper team right now. I mean, as a Chelsea fan, you don't want to say it, but Leeds has been consistent. Um, winning dirty, winning pretty, more dirty than pretty, it seems. But I, <laughs> I feel the next game, I feel bad for... for uh... It's sad, it's sad to say. I'm not a. Uh, I, I I do love Jose, but one one Tottenham tying and drawing with Newcastle. I don't. I think they are going to make a rule change in the mid season on that, or at least a rule interpretation. Because I don't consider it a handball. Because based off of that, you basically need to cut your arms off. Yeah. So I I, I have two things because right now. I want to say by the end of week three, we had over 25 penalty kicks. 25. Between the three weeks, 25 penalty kicks awarded. That is great. That's stupid high. That I mean, we've never seen that before. It's attributed, or at least I haven't seen it in recent, hit, in recent recollection. Um, it's what's led to so many goals in the season. So... I feel for the refs because I feel like the refs have been criticized for being inconsistent. They've been, whether you agree with the rule or not, whether you agree with the rule or not, you can safely say they, they've been consistent. They have awarded this same penalty over and over again in this in the, the past three weeks. So they've been consistent. But now they're kind of like... I guess your critique now is that they're literal. Like, they're absolutely literal, and there's no leeway. Listen, I, if if you had to pick one side or the other, i choose for literal. I'd much rather a consistent, literal I, referee than somebody who's ambiguous and wishy-washy because, like, at least you're not I get surprised. It. I, I get <laughs> it. I just don't like... That's that could that could determine it. Uh, a cup. That there's so many things like the thing is, it's the video review. You see, this is the beauty and the and the and the the dagger in the heart of video review. When you watch it in real time, you're it's too fast for your brain to really process everything. So you just you just pick to the facts that make the most sense and you formulate that opinion. Then you re, you watch the replay. And the replay spells it out clearly what happened. Then you're left with one thing, interpreting intent. And that's like with Dyer, yes, he's jumping up. Is the ball in a natural position normally when you're jumping up like that in any other sport other than football? Yes. So I'm going to go with it's a natural position. The problem is if you look at the replay like five or six times, it looks intentional. It looks like he kind of like, yeah, he jumps up, sees the ball, and kind of maybe rotates. Now, I'm not saying he did or didn't, but if you're a referee and you're watching this and you're watching that slight rotation, you know, it. I think it's better to be consistent and call it because wow. no one's saying they're inconsistent in what's being called. They're just saying you're. If people that, are complaining, they're calling it too much now. Maybe that referee um, watched the documentary and saw 
Jose say that they need to play like cunts and then decided <laughs> that, oh, this was a cunty move. <laughs> uh, but we'll move on to actually, and this is one stat line I do want to talk about. The 5-2 whomping Lester put on um, Man City. Seven shots, seven shots on target, five of those shots sinking. I, I, Lester's stat line against Man City this weekend on Sunday was it was freaking crazy. Like as soon this is the one game. Keep in mind, I I, I saw Chelsea come from behind, but still it was a three-three draw. When I had basically said the episode beforehand that it is a game that they have to win. And I had also said that this game will show us what Man City do we have. Do we have a Man City that is going to win the Premier League because they have the freaking best roster, really? Or are they going to screw the pooch? And for lack of a better word, they screwed the Fox. Like, what happened? They had the possession. They had 72% of possession. Like, the commentator couldn't even come up with an excuse for them because yeah man city has some injuries but when you look at the team that man city fielded all you could really say is that pep didn't have the players that he wanted to start but it's not like any of these players wouldn't be starting players or any team wouldn't be chomping at the bit to have them on their team so it's really hard to feel sorry for man city but look at the stat lines x man city has 72 percent of the possession they had 680 passes with 90% accuracy rate. Leicester had 28% of the possession yeah. with only 267 passes and 74. They made mistakes. They made a lot of mistakes in this they, game, and they, Man City did not capitalize. No, they, they Nathan Ake had a good game. I can't, like People have been trolling the, the Man City defense. I will say this. There are holes in the Man City defense. He it scored. was not coming from Nathan Ake. He was the best player on there. Rio Mares made everyone remember why Man City went after him in the first place with his beautiful goal. I mean, Jamie Vardy got penalties. He They counterattacked. Like, when you see the stats like that and you wonder how the game ended 5-2, to two, barring Man City throwing the ball, like, I mean literally getting up and throwing the ball on the goal, you have to think... Wow, Lester just counterpunched them to death, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, they had Man City let three penalties go, and people want to feel sorry for Man City, but they they allowed the same three type like the same type of penalty they committed three times in one game. Listen, bro, when are you gonna learn? Like, what? When are you going? Just don't do it. Just don't do it. You know the, so don't whine and referee, don't do it. Yeah, if you know the referee's going to call James it, Madison's not. goal, I mean, that, like, when you're thinking about, like, the new Beckham, he's been one of those players. I mean, he has the looks to it. He could be, like, Beckham's cousin. That goal that he scored was beautiful. It's outside the box. It was a top left curler. Like, he just came onto the field. He's like, oh, man, let me score. Man City, what are you doing? Before we move to the next game, this game had me like scratching my head. I'm I'm wondering what is happening. What th- this is the Man City that has spent 400 million pounds on defense. This is the Man City that won back-to-back Premier Leagues. What is different? 
what started the decline last season to this season? Because, again, on paper, they should be the team that won. And I I think I cracked the code. I, I think I Dan Brown this. And it's Puma. I was telling Mikey B this. <laughs> what has changed? What has changed about Man City? It's Puma. I should've, call it the curse of Puma. Should have went to New Balance. Should have went to New Balance. Could have stayed at Nike. Could have gone to Adidas. But... Look, Arsenal goes from Puma to Adidas. Now, all of a sudden, Mikel Arteta looks like the puppet master to Pep Guardiola's uh, Man City. Man City goes from Nike to Puma, and now they're apparently shitting the bed. They go from back-to-back Premier League wins to nothing. And here's the thing. They're not the only ones. Borussia Dortmund. This is probably why Klopp left Borussia Dortmund. Borussia Dortmund won back-to-back. You're catching a theme here? They won back-to-back Bundesliga titles with Jurgen Klopp at Dortmund when they had the Kappa sponsorship. As soon as they, the very next season, they're trying to go for the three-peat, they go to Puma. Guess what? They haven't won the title since it is Puma. Man City, do me a favor. I mean, you can stay in Puma if it means Chelsea has a better chance of winning. But I think your fans, your fellow citizens, want you to jump ship. <laughs> jump ship. Leave that Puma deal. So, it's the Puma curse. You hear it here first on the Shed and Boys podcast. Let it just sink in. Let it sink in. It's like the Madden curse, but <laughs> with shoes. All right, guys. We're moving on to the next game. It was a whomping. What happened to the Wolves from last season to this season? Wolves got distracted by the bubbles. Got distracted by all them bubbles West Ham was popping in the air. Holy crap. West Ham, good job on you. 4-0 against the Wolves. I... If there was ever a textbook example of why you want to preach to a player how to be at the right spot at the right time... You need to show them the West Ham Wolves game. Every single one of their goals was a player just being at the right spot at the right time. The second the, the second chance opportunities that West Ham got, they capitalized. It, like in my head, they pretty much scored 100% of their goals on the second chance. They either got a, a deflection, a bounce, but they just still kept pressure in the box and just saw that ball home. Wolves, uh, I, I don't know what to say. It, Neto had a really good game. It's not like, it's not, <laughs> if I can say one positive for Wolves is that they lost the game 4-0 to and they didn't drop their shoulders. Again, the, the goals came from just stringing in the second chance opportunity. So kudos to them for that. A lot of teams would have just imploded. Um, but you know they stayed. They tried to fight the good fight. I, I can't say much more. I mean, I maybe the wolves slid on Adama's oil. I don't know. Like, but I, yeah, they might want to work on that one. Yeah. All right, we'll jump into um, the first Monday game: Fulham versus Aston Villa. Aston Villa put it on Fulham three to zero. Yep, it's. <laughs> You know what, the, the games this, the, the start of this season, man, 
the score lines are just absolutely crazy. They are. Uh, but good job, Grealish. He got a goal. Um, that team's going to be fun to watch. Um, I feel like they're going to be inconsistent. They're going to be super inconsistent because they have a lot of inconsistent players. But now, Barkley? yeah, now adding Barkley to their squad, <laughs> you get another. I, but I say this, I say this about Ross Barkley. Ross Barkley is one of those players that I don't, I don't think he does really well in really like complex systems. <laughs> I think he really needs like very simplistic processes. That's why he does very well at like Everton. If you put him on a lot bottom six team. He's going to function better than if he was playing for a top six team. So I actually hope Ross Barkley goes over there, kills it, and we sell him for a nice price. Yeah, like Ross Barkley reminds me. He reminds me of like a, a really, like a really energetic dog, who just run, run, just keeps running, running, running. And as long as you're not telling him to do anything, you're not barking any commands. He just keeps running and has fun. Every once in a while, he brings you the ball back. So every once in a while, he reminds you that he can he can take a command or or maybe just accidentally does it and he scores a goal or he does something nicely. But 75% of the time, he's just running around doing his own thing and just and showing a lack of, teamwork. of footballing IQ. Like, and teamwork. <laughs> and teamwork. But uh, good job. Arsenal? Is that teamwork? Actually, I so I went back. I watched this game. You watched this game at the airport. I yeah. watched this game after. Dedication. Um, yeah, it was dedication. <laughs> um, I expected Arsenal to win this game. I, I saw the decline in Liverpool's defense, and I still see the decline. There was a lot of opportunities that Arsenal did not. Right. They did not. They just a three-one papers over a lot of things. Like I'll give it to you, Jurgen. Arsenal I get it. Arsenal did the same thing as you're saying, Aston Villa, because they have Will on, because they that team is going to be extremely inconsistent. They're either going to be really good, right, or really just lackluster. I mean, Liverpool took one from the West Ham playbook again. Mane. Like, there's something... It's, like, so fundamental, like, from, like, Little League soccer. You know, it's just put pressure. Just follow the run-in. Even if the goalie catches the ball, just follow the run-in. Maybe he drops it and, and opens up an opportunity. Somebody, you know, gets a little niggle on it, and, and you can score. Sané did that, and he capitalized on it. Leno had a great save, fingertip save, that just... Happened to fall in Mane's lap and he capitalized on it. I mean, it wasn't Arsenal. Arsenal struck first. You know, Lacazette had a very similar goal. The concern that I have with Arsenal is whether or not they have the depth to keep the momentum. That's going to be the issue. I mean, consistency is one thing, but do they have the legs to? Keep that high energy going. I don't think so. Arteta's uh, play style does not favor old legs. Like, and I don't think that that's sustainable for the entire season. That's not saying 
that Arteta doesn't have a good game plan. It's more saying that they're probably maybe one or two seasons, maybe, potentially on, on trade acquisitions, to have like an out-and-out out team that has the energy for it. I don't I could be proven wrong, but I just I see them running out of gas. I agree. I um it's going to be a weird season to watch for them because if nothing happens to their players and they somehow pick up some consistency, they can make a run for it. But. Oh, little shout out. Savayo or Savayo, I think, uh, Loney from Real Madrid on our Arsenal. You're not full of anybody. I know you asked Hector Bellerin, how do I not look like a cartoon villain? You got that fresh cut. They were, I mean, a positive from Arsenal. Hector, Be- first of all, Hector Bellerin had that like 70s, 80s, like hiked up pants, like vibe going on with the tucked in shorts, killing it in the fashion game. His partnership with uh, with Savayo was amazing. Their one-two link-up play and confidence to juke a couple Liverpool players, it, it, it again, it gave a positive. It, it was something beautiful to watch. It was just really also, entertaining. Hector Bellerin is a player that could play in any team. Not gonna lie, I, like up until the emergence of uh, Jane, um, yeah, James, Reese James, Hector Bellerin was the was the guy I wanted at right back. Could you imagine like Chilwell and Hector Bellerin there? Woo! Nasty. But we got James, and he's still nasty. So we'll move on to this week's matchups, guys. Um, We'll run through them. So you have Chelsea versus Crystal Palace on Saturday uh, at 7.30 a.m. You have Everton versus Brighton. You have Leeds uh, United versus Man City on Saturday. To finish up Saturday, you have Newcastle versus Burnley, which is a really lackluster game to to throw at the end of a Saturday. But, you know, hopefully you, you have other things to do during that game. Um, Leicester versus West Ham is the first game for um, for Sunday, which is actually going to be a lot more entertaining than people think. Just because Leicester beat Man City the way they beat them, they made a lot of mistakes that West Ham could end up upsetting Leicester this weekend. And They're not the same team. I'm glad they beat Man City the way they beat Man City, but ultimately, I, I don't think they're like... I don't think they're going to be competing for the uh, the league this year. Um, next, for the Southampton versus West Brom, Wolves versus Fulham, is on Sunday. Arsenal versus Sheffield United, and Man United versus Tottenham, which is a game that I'll enter, I I want to finish like nil nil or one one or this this is a game. I want. I would love to say that this is the game to watch, um, just because of Jose, the, the drama with Jose, the drama with Ali. Um, but honestly, this could be it. I I don't think that this is a run of the mill game. I think this is either a snooze fest, or I think it is a very lopsided game. I I do, but I honestly lean more towards snooze fest i i think this is a nil nil i could see this game going scoreless 
I could see that. And I could also see... What, I can see Tottenham destroying if Man it, United. If That's the happens, opposite end. If it happens at nil-nil, can we get like a Jose snap on Ollie? <laughs> the, it's basically the bad guy versus like the overly too nice guy. Yeah, I, and I'm... I'm t- I'm calling this Jose Watch 2020. If if there's one more bad call, if there's one more bad call, this man is going. He's gonna get fine. He's going ape. He's going like absolutely yeah, mental. He, he's gonna go get. He's gonna get himself <laughs> fined. Which again, I will tell you, it does not matter where Jose goes. As much as I hate that he went to a rival club in London, I. Love Jose Mourinho's antics. I think he is the most entertaining coach and manager in all of football. He truly is the special one in the sense of can I coin it as he is the Donald Trump of Premier League football? Oh no. That's what he is. He is just that entertaining. I want somebody to ask. I want somebody to go, hey, hey, Mr. Mal, uh, Mikey B has stated that you remind him of Donald Trump. Uh, do you care to comment? I would love to see where Ooh, Jose I, lies in this one. I, I feel like Jose, Jose either, either Jose agrees wholeheartedly or he is absolutely Oh, no, no. Assaulted. First of all, the UK loves... Uh, uh, Donald Trump, so he might be like, oh, I'm okay with it. <laughs> they just nominated him goes, for three Nobel he, Peace Prize. Eh, I I see that. Or he could go absolutely crazy, like, like I, flip I, out, I, throw tables. Like, are you kidding me? I win. I win. I, I want have, three things. I have trophies. <laughs> what but, do you What do you win? The presidency? <laughs> Anyone does that. Anybody I can see him like just belittling, and then it goes viral, and then I can see Trump like, could you? Oh the Jose God. versus Trump, best debate ever. That would be not to get political, but that would probably be the greatest thing. That would ever. be that would be more of a hot mess, as CNN like to coin it, than what happened the other night. Yeah, but so. it, it would be like civil at the same time like it would just be a no holds bar of like insults to one another but i don't think anybody would interrupt it it's just like let it happen (laughs) it's like it's like a basically what was that show back in the uh early 2000s your mama yeah exactly it'd just be just like that because let's be honest that's probably how this debate should have gone and last game before break hopefully we get to see ross barkley Liverpool versus Aston Villa. Liverpool versus Aston Villa. And with that said, guys, the <sighs> next the next game is not until ten seventeen. Yeah, so freaking international break. International break. We'll we'll get to watch some international games. We might we might cover a little bit of the international stuff. I'm a massive Germany fan with those four stars, and uh, the professor over here has got his one star Spain. Uh, listen. All I know is that a United Spain won that. <laughs> that's all. I, that's all I have to say. All I have to say. And with that, guys, uh, remember you can follow us at the Shed and Boys. Po- at the Shed and Boys, I should say. And Mikey.
and Frank we trust. And keep it footy, y'all.